Bob and Charlene Steinkamp, founders of Rejoice Marriage Ministries, invite you into their living room in Pompano Beach, Florida, for a telephone conference call. Let's join other men and women from across the land who are seeking God's restoration of their marriage. Welcome to Rejoice Marriage Ministries. This is Charlene Steinkamp, and we are here at our home, and we're thrilled to have you join us this Sunday afternoon, April 17th, Palm Sunday. And we're here for a very special reason, to talk to family and friends and to discuss marriage restoration. And this is a special week. It's Holy Week that we're going to be facing and coming up to, and we're so excited about that because we're praying for thousands and thousands and maybe millions of sinners to come back, to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ many to come back to Jesus Christ, rededicate their lives, and then come home to their husbands and wives who are praying. And we're praying for prodigal children to come to their senses and escape from the trap of the enemy. So this is a very special week. Resurrection Sunday is for certain going to be um, an awesome, awesome day of celebration, of worshiping our Lord God who resurrected, who rose from the dead. Well, we're going to start, and I have two special guests today, and Tim is here, our son, and he is running everything to make everything come out right, so we'll have a recording. Tim, do we have to press record, or have you already done that? No, everything's all done. It's all set. And then I have Lori, our daughter, who is here, and she and Tim are going to do something special today. Lori, we're thrilled to have you here also. Great. Thank you. And I have two grandchildren here. I have Allison and uh, Kyle here, and they're going to be running back and forth with little notes to me and to, the ki uh, to our children. And then we have two prayer partners here who are praying and interceding that everything will go well, as I know many other standards are praying for us, that everything would go well. But this is a, a unique, different telephone conference. It's questions and answers. And I can tell you that if I had a choice this afternoon, I would say, okay, let me just have two guests and we'll just talk, pretend we're in the living room and having a normal discussion. But when we go into question and answers, it's a lot more complicated because everybody gave me their own personal scenario of their problems. And we're going to try to keep it a little bit more generic, and I'm going to keep it more general so that it will not exclude everybody but include everybody because we want everybody to feel that they're not left out. But we're going to try to answer basic questions. Um, and I'm going to just read off some subjects that I'm probably not going to get to all of them today. Excuse my noise for pulling a piece of paper out. But we're going to discuss, or people are questioning false starts, losing hope about sex, kids, about their prodigal spouses, standing scriptures, uh, not having financial support, contact with prodigals or their spouses, abusive um, husband or wife, length of stand, how long do I stand, and it goes on and on um, about um, Ishmael babies. I mean, there are 20 different topics which we're not going to get today. Um, but Lori and Tim and I are going to try to do the best we can. But I want to open up with first, 
um, to have you understand that this is God's will and way for God to have God created marriage and he hates divorce. So let's open up with prayer. Lord, we just thank you for every standard that is dialing in and the ones that have forgotten about it, that you would remind them that this is the time that they need to call and we just pray that we will have even an outstanding number of, of people hungry and thirsty to hear the word of God, hear us talk and, and share from the past. But Lord, we just thank you for this telephone conference. We thank you for our faithful supporters and, and uh, contributors that give so that we can do this, that people can call in free, toll-free number, and we give you all the praise and the glory how you supply our needs. But Lord, I want you to supply all of our standards needs. I want you to help them with their financial needs, help them with their children that are maybe rebellious or having hurting hearts. Lord, we pray that you would touch them, the standard themselves, to give them hope and encouragement. Lord, we pray today, right now, that you will you will be the one here in this house, that you will speak to us, guide us, and direct us, give us hope and encouragement. We bind the enemy coming against all of these standards, all of these marriages, Lord, and we just ask that you will loose on the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness the goodness, the faithfulness, and self-control for all of these people to be filled up to overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit and just love the Lord and get them through this because you your grace and your mercy is sufficient, Lord, for anything. And we just ask that you would just guide and direct us today as we talk about the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, I'm going to read, um, I listened as I was working on the questions and, uh, and writing down answers last night in the evening. I turned on Bill Gaither and listened to an hour a CD or a tape of all the different um, songs that they were singing. And one song that, that Bill Gaither's group sang was Thanks to Calvary. And Thanks to Calvary was one of Bob's favorite songs because it was often sung by Doug Odom. And you may not be a Southern Gospel music fan, so you know none of these people. But bear with me because I want to read this song that Doug Odom used to sing um, so many times as he was a Christian. He was a man of God, chosen to sing for the Lord, and then the enemy came against him and uh, he uh, fell into sin. And so um, this is a song that the Gaithers wrote, and um, it, it was a story about his life. And it's about a, a prodigal coming home, and it's him singing, and Bill Gaither wrote it. Today I went down to the place where I used to go. Today I saw the same old crowd I knew before. And when they asked me what had happened, I tried to tell them, thanks to Calvary. I don't come here anymore. Thanks to Calvary, I'm not the man or dad I used to be. Thanks to Calvary, things are different than before. And as the tears ran down my face, I tried to tell them, thanks to Calvary, I don't live here anymore. Then we went down to the house where we used to live, and my little girl or child ran behind the door like so many times before, and I said, Honey, you don't need to be afraid. You've got a new daddy now. And I said, Honey, never fear. 
you've got a new mommy here or a new daddy here. Thanks to Calvary, we don't live here anymore. Thanks to Calvary, I'm not the man I used to be. Thanks to Calvary, things are different than before. Thanks to Calvary, things are different than they were before. And as the tears ran down my face, I tried to tell them, thanks to Calvary, I don't come or live here anymore. And that is a song that my husband loved and used to cry when he heard it because he said that is exactly what happened to him. Because of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of the Lord touching and changing my husband's heart, he changed and was able to come home and repent and start over and be choose to be able to live a Christ-like life. And it's a process. As you have listened to our other telephone conferences, and if you haven't, go to our main homepage, rejoiceministries.org. Go down to the bottom of the page where we have all these different pages and go and click on conference calls. And you can listen to last month. You can listen to February where we had two restored marriage uh, testimonies and two couples share their testimonies. So what we've got to understand is thanks to Calvary, thanks to our Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross, thanks to God for him speaking hope and encouragement. And he had his son die on the cross, shed his blood for all sinners, for you, for me, for your husband or wife or your children who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ yet. Thanks to Calvary, we've got to understand Jesus Christ paid the price for all of our sins. And we're praying that your husband, wife, or child will come to their senses, will repent, and come back home. It's all due to our Lord Jesus Christ. And he can do anything because God spoke and Jesus Christ arose. He opened that tomb and he arose. Jesus Christ is alive. And Jesus Christ died and then he went to heaven, but he left the counselor, the Holy Spirit, to guide and direct us for the rest of our lives. So you, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. But maybe you don't even know you are. Maybe you don't know that the Lord can speak to you. But that's what we're going to talk about today. I want you to walk in faith and victory. Remember this Holy Week. Remember Monday, Thursday. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John this week. Make the time, make the effort, and read what Jesus said to his disciples. Read the New Testament over and over till you get the message of what he's speaking to you about hope and encouragement, about faith, of how you live a Christ-like life. I can't teach that to you every day. Every day we do teach, but I can't teach it to you as much as you can read it yourself and have the Holy Spirit speak to you. And that's what we're hoping for today. So, Lori, Tim, who is going to be the first? Um, I'll start. Okay. The first question says, what do you say to the young standers who have no children? The world cruelly calls ours starter marriages. I have struggled much with worry that although God will surely bring my husband back, it might not be in time for us to have children. Well, 
you need to go to that conference call that I just talked about, and that's why I brought that up right at the beginning, is because you need to have listened to last month's March telephone conference. We had a stander who was young and um, had not had children yet, and she just had the faith and the answers that we talked for over an hour and 15 minutes back and forth with another male stander and listen to what she says. I want every young woman or man to understand you married for life. You had this most glorious wedding, or you may have got married at the courthouse. You were still in the presence of God, and you, and you said your wedding vows. And the wedding vows is, is so important. And let me read them to you to remind you why that we know we have a covenant. That, and the Lord um, is understanding that 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'll get to it later, but if you don't know it, get to memorize it or get to know it so that you know that you know it regularly. Because we need to understand the importance of marriage vows. Our daughter, Lori and uh, Tim and Tom, all were counseled by pastors. And uh, and you have been counseled. I know many uh, standards have been counseled by priests and um, uh, rabbis or whatever. They all say the same thing. Marriage is for life. It's forever. And it says, I take thee, uh, um, Bob, or I take Bob to be my husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. And thereto I pledge thee my faith. 1 Corinthians 13 says, let me take you there. And if you don't have pencil and paper, I would suggest maybe you do because hopefully I'm going to try to get some scriptures in here and help you with the God's word. But we're, we want you to understand that the Lord is wanting your marriage, your first marriage, to be the one to last forever. And what the world is saying is that your marriage does not have to last forever. You can go in a second, third, fourth. You can live together. It doesn't matter because there's no standards. There's no God's standards or rules or covenant or um, there's no Ten Commandments. You know, you don't, we've got to understand that you and I are different. We're not of the world. We're visiting and passing through, praying that we will take many, many lost people to us to heaven. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'm going to read from verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but not, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Verse uh, 4, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. And this is another one we'll talk about later. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. 
and verse 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. That's my challenge to every one of you. That's what God is challenging you, that this is what love is, and this is what we're striving for. Even if your spouse has chosen not to love you, we're asking the Lord to rekindle, reignite your marriage. And it doesn't matter if you were just married one year, two years, or three years. Lori, I'm going to pick on you. Um, but when you married Scott, um, what was the one word that you didn't you You came from a divorced family. You lived through the divorce. What was the things that you and Scott, when you were counseled, what was the things you did not want to how did you want to avoid divorce? What was your goals? Well, our goal is just that we don't mention divorce. And that doesn't mean that we're above divorce. I'm sure many people never thought they would end up in the same situation. We have people that are full-time ministry. We have pastors and, and missionaries and people that really never thought they would be in that position. But that's just one thing that we've vowed from the beginning, that we don't have an out. So that doesn't mean life's always easy and rosy, but it does mean that we aren't allowing an escape clause. So it, I think that it's uh, just something that if we can purpose in our lives, just like we teach our children, that we want them to think about the things that they're doing and participating in, and we want them to know before they start dating what they are going to be involved with when they're dating. We want them to know before they go out with friends what they're going to do. We have to plan in our marriages and in our relationships what we are and are not going to do and you know, pray that the Lord will honor those wishes. And, Lori, you mentioned a subject that I'm just going to bring in that that's, I'm not even going to uh, mention a question, but I'm just going to throw it in extra intense, probably thinking we're going to be real, real behind on our questions. But children, teenagers are falling in temptations. They're falling into sexual activities. They're falling into drugs. They're falling into alcohol. What You're a mom. You have... Uh, young kids are getting ready to be teens. We have Allison here who just turned teens. How is you as a mother, as a Christian mom, how do you help your child not get tempted and, and have peer pressure take them right down the wrong road? Well, all of our kids deal with things now that we never dealt with 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. The, the things that they face and the, the things that they're aware of are things that were just not present and not um, in society then. The media and the instant access to so many things and so many evils are a big problem for teenagers and for preteens and even for children right now. Video games, when you can't go to the store and just buy a video game off the shelf because it's got an M for mature content, you know, things are not like they used to be. So I would just say I know that as single parents, you have a huge burden because you're playing the role of mom and dad. Yes. And some of you may be playing the role of mom and dad, but you are not the person that's with the child most of the time. And all I can say is that I would just um, implore you to make sure that you use the time you have with your children to train them in the things that you want them to know. Teach them the Bible. Teach them the scriptures. Even if they go to a Christian school or they're involved in a church, make sure that they're hearing from you, you know, what God can do and what you're praying for God to do. And also, depending on the age of your child, I would share with them, without going into specifics, I would share 
this is what I'm praying for for our family. I want mommy and daddy to be married, so will you pray with me? And you don't need to give details about anything. Um, five years ago when my husband lost his real estate business and we were going through a financial struggle, one of our pastors at church preached one night on the secrets we keep from our kids and we're not allowing them to have blessings. And so we shared with our kids just as much as what children that are in the elementary school can understand about, you know, we're buying generic brands now and we're not going out to eat and we're doing this and that because we're having some financial struggles. But we know God will take care of us. And in our family, we had a little jar um, with a scripture from Deuteronomy on it, and it was a blessing jar. And every time we had a blessing that was particularly related to our finances, we would put a little stone in there just so they could see that God was doing things visually. They could, they could compare it. And they would often say, oh, can we put a stone in the jar for that? So I would just share with your kids, you know, you don't have to berate the other spouse that's absent, but you can definitely say this is not what I want for our family. This is not God's will for our family, so will you pray with me and allow them to see that God can do things. Now, on the flip side of that, your kids are missing something that is, is a hole in their life, and it's having both parents at home. And the older they get, the more you may see things act out because of that. You may see um, teen girls that are seeking attention from boys because their father's not at home. Or you may see boys that are disrespectful to women because they don't have respect for their mother. So it's a very slippery slope. And please understand that we do pray for you. I mean, it's not easy when you have children that you're trying to raise on your own with this. But I would definitely um, encourage you that if you do not have a church that you're involved in, that you would find a church that you um, can worship in and encourage your children to go with you because that will be a support for them where they can find like-minded people that will help them pray for what they're going through in their life. You, you need a, a youth group, some sort of a youth yes. group that is very strong and it's a, par, um, a youth group that is doing right things. But um, I could not have made it with, I know Lori and our kids were very involved in our church and it helped them a lot. But but the point is, is that regardless, and I know we're, we talked about women raising children, but we have men raising children, but we have men that are begging and pleading for their wives to let them see their children or they've moved away. We have men that are awesome, godly, godly um, fathers and husbands, and uh, right now they're not able to be around their kids that much, but as much as you possibly can, call them, write them, tell them how much uh, that you're praying for their mom and for them and to keep that contact. And I know there are many men and women that are grieving uh, so much, but the Lord is grieving with you and God is greater. And we cannot give up on our marriages because we've got to go back to Malachi. And this question about um, being a starter marriage, there is no starter marriage. That's the world's terminology. But that's not God's terminology. And when we start to hear all these words and these different comments, you have got to understand whether it's God speaking or whether it's the enemy speaking to you. You married for life. You had maybe had a glorious, beautiful wedding. Are you going to just rip your wedding uh, picture in half and say, I give up? Standing is forever. I stood to the day Bob died. 
I, and I will always stand, and I'm standing now for all of you. I'm standing for kids and for teenagers and parents and for moms and dads who have their children that have left their uh, spouse and they're devastated. We have grandparents that are helping us, praying for uh, their grandkids to get right with the Lord. This is standing is, is something that we're going to be doing for the rest of our life. But in Malachi, we've got to understand why we're doing this. Because Malachi, it says in chapter 2, verse 13 to 16, another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hand. You ask why? It's because the Lord is acting as a witness between you and the wife of your youth because you've broken faith with her though she is your partner the wife of your marriage covenant has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit they are his and why one now I'm going to skip down in it because I'm running out of time for all these questions I've got but it says and I hate divorce says the God of Israel and I hate a man covering himself with violence as well with his garments says the Lord Almighty We've got to understand, it says in Genesis we're one flesh, it says in Matthew 19, you can read the chapter, Matthew 19, that we're one flesh and that we are getting a divorce, we're divorcing due to the hardness of heart. That's what I did. If you know my testimony, I gave up on Bob. I was the one that divorced Bob. Yes, he was the sinner. Yes, he had walked away from the Lord. But Still, I was part of it, and I caused it and made it even worse. So we've got to understand that God doesn't have starter marriages. He has marriages that are for life. So don't give up. Now, I'm going to say we've got a number, number of questions about second marriages, and we'll see if we can get to them. But if not, we'll send you an email and email you back about that and not take the time to discuss it. Because number one, God knows your situations, and I don't. And, but um, like I said, there's about set ten questions I need to ask a second marriage person, and I don't have time to do that here. So we will send you an email, and if you will go to question and answers, there is answers and questions to um, questions, and there's answers to many of these questions that you're asking. And we will go in there and we'll even add more, maybe not all this coming week, because I've got to make a CD this week, but I will write some more about these uh, 50, 60, 70 uh, questions that we got today and this uh, yesterday within 24 hours. Um, I'll answer some more. Lori and Tim will type them in and we'll get them in there for you so that you'll have more answers to your questions, okay? I'm sorry, Tim. I'm running off and I haven't got questions. Are you ready, Tim? Yep. Okay, the next one is, my husband lives out of town with the other person. He's planning a visit to come see the boys and myself. He wants to stay in my house. The human side of me says no because I think he'll want to be intimate and I should refuse because he's currently living with someone else. I suggest he stays at a hotel and he doesn't want to. What do you suggest? Oh, I know I'm going to get so many people. I, I, I can tell you that um, I'm going to tell you what would Charlene do. 
Charlene is only, I'm going to tell you what, if Bob had called me, and I'm going to answer you if this was me and Bob, okay? Because this is the way I will answer you. I want you first to seek the Lord and you find God's will and way. Every question that we're going to answer today is seek the Lord. God has the Holy Spirit. He is our counselor and he does speak. And I want you to emphasize, I'm going to emphasize that over and over because you need to get to where you hear his voice. If you are in a wilderness right now, if you are in a dark area of your stand where you do not hear his voice, then keep plowing through, keep reading the word, keep on praise music, and keep asking the Lord to speak. Because it does not have to last for a long, long time. There could be sin in your life. And go back to uh, the hindrances that we have. But God does speak to his children. It's like your husband and wife or your children and, and the fa Heavenly Father never talking to, you never talking to your children. It doesn't exist. There may be certain reasons or times, but God does speak to us. And if we're going through a crisis, sometimes our emotions are so loud that we can't hear the Holy Spirit. But he will come through, okay? So first, seek the Lord's will. But if Bob called me and said he wanted to come down and stay here, I, he is my husband. I have had my wedding rings on, and I have repented for divorcing my husband. Um, I have asked God to forgive me. I called Bob up and I asked him to forgive me for all of my part of failing on the marriage. And I am praying for Bob to walk into this house and stay here forever. Yes, he has other uh, people involved and there's other, um, a special one. Um, but he is calling up and saying, I want to come home and visit and see the kids. There is nothing more healthier than to come under your house and to walk into your home. Now, I'm speaking as Charlene. Okay, I'm not speaking as your pastor would tell you or a counselor. I'm asking, I'm saying what this marriage ministry is saying, that we're praying for them to walk in. Bob has written, you know, finding the way home. And we, Bob, uh, we were blessed. Bob was able to walk in, and he said to me and repented at the table, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him, and he said, go get married this very afternoon. But there are many that don't get to get married that very afternoon, and they do come home. And so many people have walked in, and they've gotten through, uh, walked through a divorce and other things. And many of you have had to do it all different ways. So Bob and my way is not the right way, but I'm saying to you, you're going to walk and you're going to know. But ask the Holy Spirit how you want to do it. You may have extra spare bedrooms, and you may, can say, you know, you're welcome to this bedroom, you're welcome wherever. You've got to get where you feel comfortable. You know, I know some of you are thinking, what about the disease? I worried about that many years ago, and the disease is, is more prevalent now. But the Holy Spirit convicted me that I had to trust him and that if I believed that he brought Bob in this house and that Bob wanted to be in this house or he wanted to have some intimacy with me at any time, I said, praise the Lord. He had a choice of five other women, and he chose me. You know, I, I, had, I was praying for God to resurrect our marriage. And what the Lord showed, Bob, and he's spoken it to you many times, books and in our devotionals, is that he had no guilt or shame. And for him wanting to come home and live in the house and to wake up with the kids and to go bed with the kids is a blessing from God. 
So somehow, in whatever way you can do it, and I know you've read testimonies. There are so many testimonies where that they'll lay on the couch, they'll sleep wherever, or fall asleep on a recliner, and they wake up and they wake up the next morning and the kids are there and they have a super day going to movies, playing outside. So what are we wanting and what are we praying for? And when we get the answer to our prayer, are we putting a hand to stop it? Next. Okay, the next question says, my husband wants me to be friends with his mistress and have us all hang out like he does with his affair partner's ex-husband. I tell him that I love him and I forgive him and even forgive her, but I do not accept his behavior. He says that all my changing and my newfound faith in the Lord is fake. How do I tell him this is not the case? I love God and I'm praying for the restoration of my marriage. Okay, I go from one extreme to another, and I'm going to tell you if my husband suggested that, and or anybody does, we have to say no. With This is against God's word, and it is sin. And we are not going to sin against our own body or walk into the, their darkness. We are, we're not going to do it. We're not, that's not what you're hearing through Rejoice Marriage Ministries at all. We're proclaiming our Lord Jesus Christ, and we will never deny. I will never deny my Lord. If I have to deny my Lord and choose my husband, I can't do it. God comes first, then our spouses. And my um, priorities were upside down. And some of you have put, and you've said to me and written to us, that you put your spouse first, and they became an idol to you before your God. And God says, you will have no idols before me. It's one of the Ten Commandments. So we have got to know that when they say, go take, come on, let's go have, get a high. You can't. You cannot do that. You, and, or you're going to fall into the trap of sin and be taken down with them. So remember, no right from wrong. And that's what we've got to walk through. The Lord says, be holy because I am holy. And you don't have to throw that into their face because right now your husband or wife is blinded. They're deceived. They're deaf. They cannot see or hear or anything of God's truth. But we're praying that they hunger and thirst for the word of God. We're praying that they will um, have the Holy Spirit just speak to them with like a burning bush experience or like a Damascus Road experience. But what you say that you um, you forgive them, but we've got to say you you hate the sin, but love the sinner. Hate the sin, but love the sinner. And you know what? He everybody, and especially um, prodigals who are now standers. And I know there's so many of you that have become the prodigal. You, you, you were the prodigal. You repented. You made a mistake. You fell into a trap. Satan tempted you. You didn't realize it. And your Christian wife or husband will not forgive you to the point of allowing you to work and have restoration of your marriage. And in my opinion, that is the marriage that should be the easiest to be restored because you've got a spouse that is going to church and, and is a Christian, but they are not walking the walk as a Christian because Jesus says, forgive over and over, 70 times 7. 
over and over and over. And so if that's the case, then if, if we've fallen, any of us fall, but if you've fallen into um, sexual immorality, then we are praying that your spouse will have a hunger and a thirst of restoration for your marriage. But do not fall in the trap of being tempted to fall into their sin by that. And your newfound faith, you know what, you're, gonna, you're not going to prove it. You're going to allow, allow the Holy Spirit to let your actions and your behavior in time, the Holy Spirit will show them. And, um, and that, that's just keep on living a Christ-like life. Don't hit them over the head with the Bible. Allow the Holy Spirit just to have you radiate the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, the next question. It's a little long. How do I find people to help me stand firm in my conviction that the Lord will restore my marriage? Most people always want to give me an out and do not want to look at the power of prayer. And the second part is, how do I handle accusations from my spouse that this is all my fault? He is using drugs and is not visiting with our children and blames me for everything. Well, that, Tim, that, that, we, we just stopped with the right there. Um, dear standards, you've got to recognize that your husband or wife or even a teenage young adult who is a prodigal child is saying a lot of things with their mouth uh, that we all have to understand. Read all of the uh, four simple chapters of James. Um, you need to know that we've got to control our tongue as a Christian, but we also need to understand that when your spouse is, is speaking all those words, they're speaking accusations, and the accuser is the devil. And so even though the, they're speaking the, the blame game, remember it's the enemy that's trying to accuse you and defeat you in your walk. Okay, so we need to know that we need to pray that God's free will, people say that they have a free will. I heard that so many times. So let me take you to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. And um, I'm going to read, actually, uh, starting with verse 22 to 26 because it helps uh, give you some scriptures for you to pray for your husband or wife. The first scripture gives it uh, where you can personalize it with scripture for your names, um, putting your husband or wife's name in it. And that's um, some people ask for standing scriptures. This is one that is a standing scripture. Pray that your husband or wife will flee their evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That is your desire. That's our goal. And that's a scripture that you could be praying every day or frequently. And you can make a journal and write scriptures down that you could just keep on opening up and praying different days for different scriptures. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. And especially if they're on drugs or, in, or alcohol or they're in their um, happen to be high or drunk at that time, you're, you're, you're not, you might, don't keep peace. 
just walk away from it because that's only the alcohol and drugs that are speaking and um, you can't win an argument with that. But it's, God is telling us to have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments because we know they produce quarrels and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. We need to, this is where the Lord taught me to zip my lips, remember? Instead, we must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not be resentful. Those who oppose him, and that's your spouse right now, isn't agreeing with you. Instruct, gently instruct and hope that God will grant them repentance. And there's that secret that we're praying for repentance. Repentance is going to have a total transformation. We're not praying for your husband or wife to come home as they are. We're praying that they get saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, that they'll be transformed and repent into a new creature in Christ. And like in Second Corinthians chapter five, we need to know that they and that they can be they're going to be a whole new creature in Christ. And it says um, repentance leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Remember, it says in John, the truth will set them free. We need to pray some way somehow that the Holy Spirit will send messengers, several friends, co-workers, wherever, whatever that they will hear the truth and the truth will set them free and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. This is the scripture. If anyone wants to talk about they have their own free will, this is what the scripture the Lord gave me and said, have them just say, you know, I, I prayed about, this, uh, about the free will and this is the scripture the Lord has reminded me of. That's the Holy Scripture the Lord gave me back 26 years ago, and it still applies. And Bob said, and I'm going to say, as Bob would say, there was a thousand different ways that the Holy Spirit kept speaking to Bob to go home in a thousand different ways that had um, incidents to tell him to go home. So don't let the enemy defeat you. Don't listen to other people. We've got to... Um, not listen to other people. We've got to listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to the counselor, and not. Uh, and we're going to be different. Remember, we're going to be different. Did I answer that enough, guys? Yep. Um, I'm going to take the next question. This is um, a kid's question. And it says, how do you handle your children liking and even possibly getting emotionally attached to the non-covenant spouse? I'm glad you did that one. Um, in our situation, personally, we didn't have an issue with getting attached to the non-covenant spouse because the three of us were so full of anger and bitterness that we couldn't stand um, being around. And if things would have progressed and there would have been another marriage, we would have had to have been around her more, so things maybe would have changed. But we did notice that the dad that we had at home pre-divorce and the dad that we were with when he was with this other person was not the same. When we would go out um, to, with him and the other person, it would always be to some fun event. It would be to something we've never done before. We would go have ice cream for dinner or do things that were just making him completely different in our eyes. So I'm sure that was a frustration to my mom because that's not the way he was before. And in her humanness, it can make you feel anger and bitterness towards both of them. So I want to just read you a scripture in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 12, verse 7. Um, this is Paul talking, and he says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, 
there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And none of us ever want to go through pain, emotional pain or physical pain. And if you are watching your child um, grow closer to this person, merely maybe just because of the age of the child and because they don't have an understanding and they're growing closer, um, that can be very painful for you. And I would just suggest that you just pray to the Lord that he would take that pain from you and that you would not focus on it. Um, in my, the front of my Bible, I write little notes that I've heard pastors say, and I have 2 Corinthians 12, 7 written there. And next to it, I have maybe instead of asking for a lighter load, I should ask God for a stronger back. And I think in the situation where your child's getting close to another person, that would be a time to ask the Lord to give us more strength to deal with it. Because in our humanness, we can become bitter and angry and we can want to say things to our child to turn them away from that person, and I don't think the Lord would be pleased with any of that. I think it's one of those situations where you need to just ask for God to give you a new, fresh feeling of um, love and mercy for this person, and Amen. that he would show um, this person what they're doing wrong by being with your husband or your wife. That's so true, Lori. And, oh, praise the Lord. I, I Lori knows and how difficult I mean we even had it with my uh, brother getting divorced and my uh, nephew was six years old and at six years old he we, she would call me and say I can't get him out of the bedroom to even go with his father and it's, it's I've got a war going on to even go with dad because he doesn't want to go with him and um, that was a child's humanness but the, the father had the right to be with him my brother wanted him to spend the time with him and uh, my kids did not want to go with uh, dad and the other person. They wanted to be with dad, but they didn't want to be with the other person and her three children. And they had, he did everything as, as a one big party, fun, fun, fun. Uh, Bob was the, literally the Disney daddy, and he did things that he never did. In fact, he called me one time, and um, he was cutting the yard for the other woman, and he says, um, hi, I thought I'd call and tell you that uh, forgive me for never taking any of the responsibilities that, that you took and you did at our home because I'm cutting her yard and, and the Lord just reminded me I've never cut your our yard ever. And I said, he said, so forgive me, um, but I'm, I'm happy and I just want you to forgive me. And that was the end of the phone call. And I tell you, I absolutely broke down and cried and cried and said, why did he have to tell me what he's doing? Why does he have to tell me that he's having fun? He came over one night and stopped by to drop off his uh, uh, children's uh, check uh, for support, and he was all dressed up with a suit and a pink shirt, and I was in a bathrobe sitting at the dining room table, um, and he came late, and the kids were in bed or doing something, and I was trying to figure out how to pay the bills, and he all was decked up, and he said, guess where we're going? We're going to a a concert for up, up at Bible Town, and that's where Bob and I had our first date. 
And I must have sobbed and sobbed after he walked out the door. And I thought, why did he have to have bring her to the house and and have him just drop off the check? That that is the devil shooting arrows at you and at me, trying to give us give up our stands. Imagine that night if I said I give up. I'm not going to pray anymore. Forget it. It's hopeless. I had so many stories like that, and Lori and, uh, had so many stories that they could tell you that they had to go and be there. And I told the kids, you kids, you act like Christians. You act like good kids. You show them how be- well-behaved you are. Don't act up there. And you know what? I would have liked to have said, act bad, you know. And But no, we want to act and live like the Bible says. And God's grace is sufficient is an awesome scripture. I know right now, I've, I, that was a scripture I used uh, so many times, is God's grace is sufficient. But there is a lot of trials and tribulations and sufferings, but God is your strength, and he will help you through it. If you can come and you visualize that the Lord is going to put all this puzzle together, and you're going to have a restored marriage in the end, even if you have to wait five years, ten years. I cannot tell you how long you have to wait. That's the point. Everybody asks me, how long do I wait? Well, how long did you get married for? Life. And and that's that's my, I God convicted me and told me, I want you to wait till you're in the 80 and tell Bob that he's going to miss the best part of your life. But I was going to wait. There was no doubt when God called me to stand, he told me to stand for life. And I pray that you would understand that that's what God's best is. Um, okay, Lori, that was excellent. Okay, the next one is, how do you know when your return prodigal spouse's affections for the other person are gone? Well, I wish Bob was here um, because he would tell you they don't go away instantly. And the enemy is, is alive and well, and he is going to try to uh, stir up that uh, over and over again. Of, and they do go through a grief process um, because there was an infatuation. They may call it love or lust, or what we would call it, but there was an infection going on. Um, and it was a sinful relationship, but it's still, it's the world standards and, and the devil is using it. And uh, Bob came home, he called her and told her he wasn't coming back, but then he had to deal with the emotions. And he had to deal with different triggers. Or, and I talked to a couple the other night, then they said it's a, a, actually a trigger that, that they call and the woman had come home and has been home. And uh, she said that her husband will say something and it will just trigger something about the other person. And so she now, they openly say, hey, you know what, that's a trigger for me. And that just brings back uh, some memories. And so they, they're they working through their, uh, their um, adjustments of having to uh, not do things or say things. When Bob put on, uh, when Bob started liking the pink shirt, Bob uh, started wearing pink. I had to get through the trigger, <laughs> and Lori laughed, because Bob loved pink shirts after a while. And I liked them on him. But I had to forgive 
my husband for having the other person create that desire. And now I, I, I liked it on him, and I would say, you know what, you really look handsome. And you know what, we get through those uh, scenarios, those things that happen in the other life. But we've got to come to the point that we have to trust God. We have to trust the Lord. I wasn't going to trust Bob of how he was going to get um, through all of this grief. I had to trust God to help him through it, for me to love him and sh share with him and cry with him and understand the pain he was going through. But we had an agreement um, that he, if he had a phone call or anything, that he would tell me and I would be able to pray for him or say to me, I'm having a hard day pray for me and that's all he would say and I would pray for him and after six months or so he was really felt like he didn't have victory over it so he went and saw a counselor that we had seen before uh, we got divorced and he told him you know what you, you cannot call her you cannot she was calling him and testing him and, and calling him and wanting him to do different things and just you know the regular tricks from the enemy and he said you can never talk anyway and no communication of any sort unless there's a child then you have to work out different things but you can make a different arrangements or something this this is one of those situations where you plan ahead you don't <laughs> get in the heat of the moment and while right. you're when you just found a text message or you just found an email that you were surprised to see you don't deal with it then but when you're at a good point in your restoration you plan ahead Will you be honest with me and maybe once a week tell me how you did? Did you have struggles? Did you have thoughts? Were you missing your former life? And plan for how you're going to handle those situations when they come up. Exactly. And let me tell you that we don't have anything against pink shirts. It was just <laughs> real men wear pink. But if you, as you can imagine, I'm sure you've seen it with your absent husband or wife, things started to change. The diet that was so miserable <laughs> at home suddenly out in the far country we found a new way to diet and we're wearing new colors and new clothes and Hawaiian shirts. Tell Dad, tell him how much weight Dad lost. Yeah, he lost a lot of weight. So <laughs> we don't have a thing against pink shirts. We just knew that wasn't that wasn't his normal. So, you know, you they all get you know, all spruced up. But we, what we've got to do is you've got to understand there's going to be a process. And Bob writes about that in the After the Prodigal Return, Standing After the Prodigal Return book. He also talks strongly about it in Finding the Way Home. And uh, that he thought was going to be one of his last books he wrote, and uh, that will help you with that. But remember to re trust God and pray that God will remove all the memories and all the triggers that about the other person. Number two, we need to pray that you will break all ungodly soul ties. There may have been other people that you don't even know about, had telephone relationships or people at work that were uh, um, um, flirting with them. You don't know. We don't know all the things that happen. I don't ever want to know. But that we need to break all ungodly soul ties. And all generational sins, my... Um, Bob's grandfather was unfaithful to his wife, and we need to break those generational curses of alcohol or drugs or any ungodly lifestyles, and we need to break them by the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He paid the price. The blood in the mighty name of Jesus is sufficient. Those two things, 
those three things, the cross, the blood, and the name of Jesus, can cover anything, any sin, and it can be broken and not be passed on from generation to generation. That's why I stood. I stood for that my daughter and sons would not end up in divorce, that our grandchildren would not end up in divorce and have marriage problems or any um, other um, sins that they could fall into with sex or drugs or alcohol. My standing, and that's what you've got to understand, you're standing for not just yourselves, for generations to come. And that is the most important part, is this is a much bigger picture. You're looking at yourself and your marriage, wanting your marriage and your finances, and just get my husband or wife home to meet my needs. Let's think about it as a much larger picture, that God wants to use you and your family and for future generations. Okay, the next question says, my prodigal has recently returned to church and is now attending with the non-covenant wife and child. My question is, how does a prodigal attend church with a non-covenant without conviction? Well, I sort of uh, answered that a few minutes ago because they're blinded, they're deceived, they're deaf to God's truth, and and it's number one, it's a praise that they're in church. I know that's hard because my husband took his uh, girlfriend uh, to church. That's Bob always was in church, and uh, he kept on going to church. I think he kept going to church because he felt like that. Um, it would make it easier and better, and he said they would repent every day, every Sunday after they would hear the sermon, and then it, it lasted maybe two or three hours, and they go back into of of not walking away from each other. And they knew they needed to break it up, and they just never were obedient and strong enough to do it, or had the Holy Spirit conviction to do it. So it's not that God isn't speaking to your spouses. God is speaking. We just got to pray for the word obedience. Pray that your spouse will obey the Holy Spirit's conviction. So even though he's attend, they're attending church, that's a praise because God's truth will never fail. And we got to pray that the Holy Spirit will open their ears, open their eyes, and open their um, hearts to receive God's truth while they're in church. Think of how many people have altar calls or um, pray at your seat to have your heart changed and your spouse may get saved and touched right in that church service. I pray that they go to a church that will preach the gospel and preach the truth. So pray that. That's a praise in the midst of while it hurts. Um, but let me take you to Acts 26.18 and here's the scripture that you guys can pray that I have always loved and I pray it's still a lot for you all and it's to um, and it's Paul again speaking it's to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me so there's the scripture right there saying open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Wow. That says it. You know, we need to pray the word. You know, I know some of you are saying you, you, you hurt and you pray and you cry and you just get so you can't even function. We want you to know that God, and I'm scared we're not going to get to all these questions, Tim and Lori, so I'm just going to jump into another scripture in case I don't. 
Um, but God wants to heal every one of us to be able to function and you be the husbands and the wives that you want to be and, and create you to be. Many of us, uh, and all, in fact, I'm going to say all of you, um, all husbands and wives, all of us have failed in our marriages in one way or another, and we all fail. Even in uh, Tim and Lori don't have perfect marriages, and they need to be more Christ-like or change to be better husbands or wives. But we need to understand that the Lord forgives us, and he wants to change us and help us to be more Christ-like each and every day, to be a better father, to be a better mother. And uh, we need to understand that we can need to be healed and be able to love and be loving, loving to our children and not overreact. And like Lori said, we need to be a good example. And uh, let me take you to Isaiah 61, because this is a scripture that I'm, I'm praying right now Lord, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you will heal. We have over two, we have 202 people listening that need to be touched, need you to open their spiritual eyes and ears to see your plan, your purpose for their marriage, giving them hope and encouragement and trust. But Lord, I pray that they, everybody, anybody that has a crushed, wounded, heart and spirit, I pray right now you will touch them and heal them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. As in Isaiah 61, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor and he has been sent to bind up the brokenhearted. Lord, heal the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives. Set their spouses free now, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and release from darkness the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who are mourning. Lord, heal the wounded, the crushed spirit, and touch them and raise them up to be mighty men and women of God, standing and fighting and becoming warriors and standers um, and fighting for their marriage to be resurrected and restored. And suddenly, quickly, and now, in the name of Jesus, amen. I'm sorry, guys. Thanks. Okay, I'm going to skip to number nine so you can okay. grab that one. Okay, thanks. Um, my husband knows of my stand, as I've told him in cards, and I can see small changes in him which are big to me. Because of those changes, I'm ready to tell him our home has all the doors open and ready for him when he chooses to come home, no questions asked. Do I just tell him, or how do I ask him? I think you need to pray for the Lord to open up the door and be able to say that. And um, your spouses need to know your standing. Some way, somehow, they need to know the doors are open. And that, as, as uh, this dear stander said, that she wants him, whatever way she's willing to walk the walk through him coming home. Um, so many people... Um, come home not all, all cleaned up from their alcohol, their drugs, or their sexual addictions, or they may come home sick. They may come home dying of cancer, and their other the other person didn't want them. I, we have all varieties. Do you want your spouse unconditionally? You want to love them unconditionally. So we need to ask the Holy Spirit to open up the doorway so you can speak it to them. I'm sure you maybe send them a card, birthdays, or maybe Easter is coming up. Maybe send them an Easter card and say you're praying for them 
and that that you love them unconditionally and and that um, you're praying that someday somehow that they'll have a desire to come back home and, and restore their family. The Lord will give you the exact words to say. He's going to tell you exactly. But I want you to make sure that you're ready. Make sure, please, that uh, you're ready to the forgive them for all things and that they're going to have to walk through the, uh, the, the loss of the other person or the obedience. And they come home obeying the Lord, but they got to go through um, different emotions. Um, be sure that we've forgiven them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, talks about keeping no records of wrongs. May I please remind you, forgive your spouse every day for what they're doing. Don't hold a list and keep a list of, of all the things they've done. And so then when they walk in the door, you're ready to hit them over the head, ask them 20 questions. You want to know all the things they've done. How many? And, and are you comparing me with her or them? And don't even go down that road. You've got to forgive them and say, Lord, I'm not going to open those doorways. I'm going to love my spouse and just enjoy now and forget the past and go strive for the future of restoration of your marriage. You don't want to go into that garbage can of the past. Okay, the next question says, does the restoration of a covenant marriage depend on the righteousness of the standard? What if the standard gets tempted and falls down? Does that affect the righteousness of the stand? It delays the stand. It delays probably your resurrection of having your marriage restored instantly or whatever. Uh, when you start to walk away from God, God's probably not going to answer your uh, prayers that you're probably not praying. But there are many standards that have given up or fallen into uh, dating or um, have had uh, an encounter with somebody. Um, and the Holy Spirit is, he, you are his child. And he has a plan and a purpose, and he is going after you. He's leaving the 99 and going after you and saying, wait a minute, I've got a plan and a purpose. You're a child of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Get back here. You know, and he goes, and you come back, and you repent. Then you, you start right where you left off, and, and you now know what the temptations are like. You know what it is to live, to fall into sin. And you now know what your spouse has, has had happened. So now you have a burden even more for your spouse. And don't judge them so much. Less, you know, we all need to stop judging. You know, don't judge unless you want to be judged. Um, and I would just add to this, the, um, she says in here, does it depend on the righteousness of the sander? There's nothing any of you can do or nothing that any of us can do that can make your stand come to an end or that can bring your spouse home. If that was the case, we wouldn't need the Lord. This is in his hands. And sometimes you have to, well, not sometimes, but daily, you need to remember that. This is his battle. We don't need to stress ourselves out and to think, what can I do today to manipulate the situation? What can I do to bring him home? can't manipulate it. Right. right. We need to step back and let the Lord deal with it. And if you sin or get tempted or, or fall or fail or bring up past um, situations that you're keeping track of with your spouse, you need to just repent of that and move on and let the Lord cover it. It's not for us to do in our humanness. And go to Second Chronicles chapter 20 and write that down and read that whole chapter. It talks about fasting when you do not know what to do. 
if you have a problem right now, you do not know what to do. Jehoshaphat had a problem, and he stopped and got everybody to fast and pray, and they all were seeking the Lord and read every scripture. It's a powerful story, a powerful Oh, it's one of the scriptures God gave me at the beginning of my stand, but it says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid or do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. And you had to face the enemy, and the Lord will be with you. Remember, this is a spiritual battle, people. This is a spiritual battle, and we've got to not let the devil steal your joy, your faith, your trust, and hope in your Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening. The enemy is coming, and you don't realize it, but it's the enemy coming after you, stealing your faith, your hope, your victory. And we're to walk a victorious Christian life. And we can, even through the battles, like Lori said with her husband, they didn't, they didn't uh, have a divorce going on, but they had a crisis in their life. They've had health issues. And you don't want to have your uh, Christian walk marred that you can't walk through the, the crises. The Lord is our strength. He will be with us through every circumstance. Next. Okay. I've got a couple here. Since we're out of time, I'll give you the synopsis, and you can just kind of okay. run them together. They're on communication. The bottom line is... Um, one of them, how do I interact with my spouse when he wants no interaction with me? Another one is, my spouse will only talk to my children and not to me. So basically it's on communication. The spouse won't talk to me, but they'll talk to the kids or they won't talk to me at all. And I think I need to keep talking to them. So what should they do? Um, pray that the Holy Spirit will open the doorway of communication and uh, knock down the wall of hostility knock down the wall. Remember the Jericho wall? That's a, a good example the Lord gave me many years ago. Is that how you had to walk, they had to walk around that wall and be silent six times. And then they shouted and they screamed and the Lord knocked down the wall. I know this sounds crazy, but you've got to do it in the prayer closet, walking around and praying for the Holy Spirit to open doorways for communication and knock down the walls of unforgiveness, anger, bitterness, whatever is the Lord, whatever is blocking or that other person is blaming you or not wanting to talk to you, we want to knock down those walls. And let's do it like the Jericho walls. And you're praying it. You're praying scripture. But you're praying that to happen. And it is a huge praise, Tim, huge praise that those kids are being talked to. Because Lori can tell you and I can tell you there are hundreds and I don't even know how many kids that don't have communication, that want communication, that don't, the parents or the father or mother, do not pick up the phone and do not see them for weeks or months at a time. People, if they're communicating with your children, please do nothing to stop it. Okay, um, I have two questions that are going to probably have the same answer, but I'll read both of them. It was so hard when I got an email from my spouse saying, I don't love you and I don't care about you. And then he told my daughter that the other person is not just my girlfriend. I plan to be with her forever. How do I remain standing when, in addition to hearing these things, my spouse has trashed our whole relationship from the beginning and blamed everything on me? It hurts so bad. 
And another uh, question that was also in the area of uh, losing hope was, my husband has come and gone so many times that I've lost count. Last year he filed for divorce, and one month later he stopped the divorce and came home. Then he left again and filed for divorce again. What do you do when all hope is gone? How do you stop the pain of being continually left behind? Okay, well, let me go back and thank you, Lori. Those are excellent questions and that we had not gotten to all the scriptures that I've got written down for all the answers. Number one, go to Psalm 1 and pray for your husband or wife to, to be a Psalm 1 that, that the Holy Spirit will meet their needs and being Christ-like in Psalm 1. But we've got to understand we are be dealing with a major issue, and that is sin. And what has happened is, A, they've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're a sinner, and they're living in a sinful nature, or B, that they've opened themselves up by temptation like Eve did or any other number of ways, um, by a generational sin or whatever, and they're walking in the sinful nature. And the reason that we commit these sinful actions is that we have sin in our lives. If there's profanity coming out of your mouth, there's sin in our lives. We've got to understand that the Lord says we want to be holy as Jesus is holy. And we need to hate the sinful nature. And we need to, and it says in the Bible, to crucify the sinful nature. And, and I'm going to tell you where to go, and I'm going to give you homework, because you need to read Romans 6, 7, and 8. Because that talks about the uh, sinful nature. In fact, um, that's where the Lord took me back years ago. And in Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That is a scripture that if you were, do you know different scriptures where you could lead somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you ever led somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you praying for other people's salvations besides your own husband or wife? We need to pray that, that we will crucify and not be a slave. We can either be a slave to the sinful lifestyle and to sin, or we, which leads to death, which is uh, Romans 6, uh, verse 16, or we can be uh, or turn to be a slave to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God, through you, you used to be slaves to sin. You wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. And that is... Um, what is so important is we need to know that we can walk away. Romans 7 was where Bob was, and he kept saying to me, I keep doing what I do not want to do, and I do not know why I keep on doing it. But it is, it is a powerful scripture in Romans 7 that I literally don't have time to read, but it's, it's verses 14 on to the end of the chapter. But it says, verse 21, So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. This is a scripture 
that more of your husbands and wives are, are where they are right now than you will ever know. But it says, what a wretched man or woman am I? Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to tell you, Jesus is the answer. And it says, so then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but not in the sinful man, a slave to the law of sin. Romans 8 talks about living through the Spirit. And um, so we want to understand that we are just, we can walk in victory. Lori, did I answer all that, or Tim, did I answer the other part of the question? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think you got everything. So I just want to go ahead and, I think we'll just go ahead and start praying now, right? We only have a few minutes left, so um, we're going to, Beverly and Eddie are two people that were introduced in the beginning that are very dear to us, and at during Bible study and at all different times, um, Eddie and Beverly are lifting up the requests that you send to us and lifting up your family specifically. And during all the phone conferences, they're here um, praying while this is taking place. So they're going to pray for us now, and then I'll pray, and then um, Mom will close in prayer for us. So, Eddie, you can begin. Let me... Tim, if you can get Allie to get them to make sure their phone is on, that they can pray. This is Ed. Okay, great. You want to start in prayer and pray for us, Eddie? Okay. Hello, everyone. It's good to have you on the line. Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in Jesus' name, thanking you for this day, thanking you for your word that goes forth. By your word, we're made stronger. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, at this time, we take the request of uh, those uh, men that are standing for you, Lord, we pray that you would undergird them, that you would give them the strength, you would give them the knowledge, you would help them, Lord, to be obedient to your call and to do those things uh, that are proper, Lord, that you would give them the strength and the word, that they will be able to stand to see that that, that covenant marriage that God said he provided for, that he hates divorce, therefore we know that, that God will be with you in your stand. We also pray, Lord, for those prodigal men that are standing there lingering outside the the borderlines, hesitating, not knowing which way to go, sometimes having problems and situations that comes up that they know they would be better off at home, Lord. But we know that you're able to minister to them and to guide them in those things that they need to do as the man of the house because God made the man the head of the family and the woman is to uh, be loved and she's to be show her respect to the husband. We pray that you would bless them. God, we pray that you would touch those amongst us, Lord, that need a healing touch. We know that by your stripes we're healed. You said where two or three agree it shall be done, that through the blood of Jesus that was shed at Calvary, by those stripes every drop was for every healing all through the ages and right on until he should come. Lord, and we pray that you would heal, that you would touch, that we would have a revival of healing in our land, that you would touch and minister to those that are sick and afflicted, those that may be discouraged with those things that have come upon them physically, Lord, but you would give them the strength to know that your grace is sufficient and your arm is always outreaching to touch and to minister to those that are in need. We thank you for this day. We've been able to rejoice and to be exceedingly glad, Lord, 
we thank you for all of these petitions that we have given to you. And in advance, Lord, we're thanking you because we know that you've heard our prayers, that you're going to answer each and every need that is here on the line. In Jesus' name we ask. God bless each one of you. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, and we shout, Hosanna on the highest, and we come, Heavenly Father, boldly before your throne of grace and mercy, as it says in Hebrews 4 and 16. And Lord, I'd like to lift to you to this day these dear women standers that are on this call and across this land, this nation, and the world, the standers, Lord. And I just ask, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them in a mighty way of this holy week, Lord, as they stand in the gap. And, Lord, as you're working on resurrecting their spouses, their husbands, and resurrecting their marriages, Lord, show them, Lord, how much you love them and meeting their daily needs. Grow them spiritually into the women and the wives you desire for them to be, Lord. As your word says in Jeremiah 29, 13, that if they seek you, Lord, with all of their heart, you will reveal yourself to them. And, Lord, give them a... a fresh word and a rhema scripture they can hold on to, Lord. Amen. Comfort them at this time. And we thank you, Lord, that in Isaiah 54 and 5, it says, The maker of Lord is your husband for this time and season. And ladies, I just encourage you to continue to stand in the gap. Put your eyes on the Lord and trust him and continue to pray. He is our covenant keeper. We thank you, Lord, for ordaining marriage. It is sacred in your sight. And help these women to grow and understand that you are the covenant keeper. Just like you set the rainbow in the sky and gave the covenant for man and the earth, that you are the covenant of marriage. It's not a contract to be broken, but we thank you, Lord, that you honor covenant. And it's better to keep the vow than to break it. And we thank you, Lord, to encourage these women and these standers across the land and the nation and the world to draw close to you and that you reveal yourself in a powerful way. We praise you and thank you, Lord. You are the God of second chances. And we thank you for what you're going to do in each one of these women and standers' lives. We honor you and we praise you, Lord, in this holy week. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray for the children right now that are affected by an absent parent in the home. And I pray for the ones that are little and maybe not even understanding what's happening, all the way up to the ones that are even into adulthood and still um, suffering the consequences of their parents' divorce. Lord, I pray that you would just draw close to these brokenhearted. It's very devastating to um, see a failure in your parents, the people that you look up to, and help these children be able to cope with this. Lord, I pray for the teenagers that are um, walking through this valley right now, and I just pray that you would give their parents an extra special um, blessing of encouragement and of wisdom to know how to deal with them. Lord, from the um, child that is acting out and acting ungodly to the child that is um, standing strong with the, their parent to, for the restoration of the family, I just pray that you would encourage these children, um, that they would become prayer warriors in the midst of this, and that they would be able to see that you do answer prayer and you are real and you are not um, glad and happy about what's happening in their family, but you are brokenhearted about the sin that has divided their homes. God, I pray that you would, um, even this next week with Easter, give the parents um, wisdom and new freshness to take them to church. And, and Easter would be a wonderful time to start getting your children involved in a church. Mm -hmm. So I just pray that if the parents are not taking them to church where they can fellowship with like-minded people, that you would just give them the wisdom and the 
um, boldness next week to find a place of worship that, that preaches the word and that speaks the truth that they're clinging to and help them to um, take their family there and make a, a bold statement for what they're doing for their family. God, I pray that as the school year is rounding out for so many students in the next few weeks, that you would just give them a um, fresh sense of um, attention to their studies. I know that the things these kids are going through at home are, are heavy, and they can sometimes take a toll on their schoolwork and on their personal relationships. But I pray that you would just give them um, encouragement for these few weeks for the exams that they're going to be facing. And I thank you for the um, testimonies that these kids can someday have for what they witnessed in their teen years, their childhood, that they saw the Lord working in a fresh way that maybe even through without having this valley they wouldn't have seen it. God, help us not focus on everything being bad and this is a negative and this is painful and we don't want to keep going through this pain. But Lord, help us to be like Paul and to say that even though we have a thorn in our side, that you can get the glory. If you are glorified through these separations right now, Lord, help us to continue to grow while you are holding off this um, restoration. Help the glory come back to you. It's not about us and not about what we do, but it's about you and about you being glorified through this. So just continue to remind us each of that as we face the daily trials that we go through. We thank you for um, sending your son to die on the cross and for um, proving that you are who you say you are by raising him from the dead three days later. And I pray that this coming week we would be more than focused on that as we look forward to celebrating Easter. Thank you for all you do for all of our families, God. Amen. Lord, we are just overwhelmed today by all the questions that have so many hurts and so many pains. Lord, we pray that today you will be the day that they will have victory in their stand, that they will know that they can walk through the stand and victorious as a Christian, that they can rise and keep their eyes above their circumstances, that they will stop looking at the circumstances, but keep their eyes on you, Father. Lord, you gave me the scripture, Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Lord, you gave that to me so many years ago, and you've given it to me probably all last year, every day, including every day now after Bob's gone. And you want us to walk in victory, rejoicing in the Lord in the midst of our circumstances. That you do, it says, do not be anxious about anything. So Lord, I pray that these dear standers, the husbands, the wives, the grandpas and the grandmas, the moms and the dads, all the family members who are praying for miracles and restoration and reconciliation of relationships to be healed and touched. May they, in the midst of their circumstances, rejoice in the Lord always and not be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. May they turn their hearts to you. May they look to you. And may they speak the words. And may they pray scriptures when they run out of words. And may they never get tired of praying. Lord, I hear so often that I've stopped praying. Lord, that's like not talking to your children. It's like not talking to your husband or wife. It's not like talking to your mom and dad, checking on them. Lord, help us to realize that we must communicate to our Heavenly Father, that we need that close personal relationship with him and with the Holy Spirit speaking to us. 
Lord, I pray that if these dear standers have not had a new rhema, Lord, if they've not had you speak to them or guide or direct their steps recently, that this week would be the week that you would speak to them so very loudly, so very strongly, showing them for certain that they are to stand forever, that they would see a covenant truck. Why see a covenant truck? Because it reminds them of the covenant that you've made on your wedding day. Lord, I pray that you will just give them hope and encouragement. May they learn to trust you like never before. Lord, we know that they're missing their spouse and that finding another spouse is not going to be the answer because they're one flesh. And I just pray that they will not let their circumstances overwhelm them, but believe that God can do anything, that for with God nothing is impossible. And we're so sorry we didn't get back to answering all these other questions, but may they realize that the devotionals and the question and answers and the resources that we have on our website will help them get the answers for their questions and that you have the answer, Heavenly Father, also. But I know that I know that you speak so many different ways, even in different books or even a sermon on the TV. Lord, you have a million ways of speaking to your children. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the prayer partners that we have around the world praying for all the prodigal standers and their children. Thank you for our prayer partners locally. Thank you for my children who uh, Tim and Lori are actively working with us in this ministry. And Lord, we just thank you that you are all that we need. And Lord, we just pray that you will touch each of us and make us grow closer to you each and every day because we all face different circumstances. But Lord, I bind against the enemy. I bind against the spirit of divorce, the spirit of separation, and I loose on us. I loose the Holy Spirit to breathe on us, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I pray and I bind against the enemy coming against to come steal, kill, and destroy what is in our marriages. And Lord, I pray you will remove and sever and the other person's um, relationship. I pray you will remove it, crush it, and destroy it. And I pray that you will restore and resurrect this, their marriage, all these marriages that are listening and all the marriages that are going to be listening to this teaching in the future. Lord, nothing, nothing is too hard for you. And we just ask that you will rekindle, reignite this relationship quickly and suddenly, restore this marriage. And we just pray you will give them the faith that they need to have and we'll give you the praise and the glory and we will shout it from the rooftops of all these marriages being restored. In Jesus' precious holy name I pray. Amen. You know, the most important thing I want everyone to understand today is that you need to know the Lord. You need to grow in the Lord. You need to read the Word. You need to know the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have on our home page Rejoice Ministries dot org on the button on the right on the left column um, or on the right side I don't remember which side but it's on the columns that we have buttons change your life and if you will just click on that it, it's going to take you down and make sure that you know that you know you have the assurance of your salvation and that's so important for this coming week because we want to know that you're saved and we want them to pray for all your family and loved ones who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. But as a tradition, as my husband started so long ago, he loves us praying the uh, Lord's Prayer. So I want everybody to join us. And Tim's going to open up 
the the uh, phone, and we're all going to do this in in unison. And let me lead you so we don't get off. Uh, but we're going to pray and close with the Lord's prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.